could be a bruise, could be a scar, it could be a scratch, could be a limp, could be a crink in the neck, whatever it is, we like to talk about our injuries, don't we? That's true whether you're a little kid telling your mom and your dad about your boo-boos, or whether you're an old man showing everybody your scars from surgery. Some of them are big scars, and some of them are very small. It's amazing what can be done these days. But regardless, we love to talk about our injuries because, because there's always a good story, right? Baseball is back, and so it's good that we have an example from baseball. When I was a kid, I used to love hearing the stories of how uh, my favorite players injured themselves. And I say I love it because there were these strange stories about how this starting pitcher tripped down the stairs, and so he was out for three months. Or I think I remember, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was some kind of accident in the kitchen with a knife that put one of my favorite pitchers out for two or three months. There's always a great story, or oftentimes there are great stories that go along with our injuries. Now, how do you think Jacob explained his limp to his children? You heard that story from the Old Testament this morning, how he sent his family across the Jabbok River. He sent his wives, he sent his female servants, he sent all 11 of his sons, and he was all by himself. But imagine the next day when Jacob kind of limps into camp and he says, all right, family meeting, gather around, kids. And his boys look at him, Dan and Gad and Asher and Joseph and Levi and Judah. And they say, Dad, what happened to you? Why are you walking like that? You weren't like that when we left. And then Jacob gets to tell them this amazing story. Well, boys, see what happened was I was all alone last night. As you know, I sent your mom and I sent everybody and I sent you across the river. And then God came and he wrestled with me. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Sure, Dad. Sure. God came and he wrestled with you. Oh, and by the way would probably say this part to his wives, please don't call me Jacob anymore. I have a new name, Israel. Injuries bring stories, don't they? And the injury of Jacob, this limp that he got from the Lord, came with a great story, came with an unbelievable story, that there was a man who was wrestling with him, and it wasn't just any old man, but it was the Lord God himself, and that not only did God wrestle with Jacob, but Jacob could tell his sons, and hey, boys, I want you to know, I held my own. I have brothers. I've been in a few wrestling matches, but I've never held my own against the Lord, and yet Jacob did. Or we should put it better this way, the Lord allowed Jacob to hold on to him. What's going on with this reading this morning? And for that matter, what's going on with Jesus and this Canaanite woman that we heard about in the gospel reading? There are some strange things at work in Holy Scripture this morning. The Lord wrestling with Jacob, Jesus ignoring this mother who's in desperate need, even calling her by implication, a dog. There are strange things afoot this morning. What is going on? Well, St. Paul gives us a hint what this is all about this morning in our epistle. It is about your sanctification. Here is the will of God for you, and this is the purpose at work in your sufferings. God is at work sanctifying you. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) That's a good big word, sanctification. What does it mean? It means quite simply this, we are being made 
holy. And that process, that process of sanctification is not always an easy one. That process of sanctification may cause you to limp a little bit. That process, process of sanctification may cause you to be humbled a little bit like the Canaanite woman. That process of sanctification may lead you to scratch your head from time to time and say, why is God doing this to me? What is happening in my life right now? Because it's no mystery, is it, that our life is full of trials, that our life is full of sufferings, that our life is full of challenges. And becoming a Christian doesn't get you out of that. Right? When we baptize little Spencer this morning, we don't make any promises to him that we can't keep. We don't tell him, now listen, Spencer, your life is going to be smooth sailing from now on. You'll never have to worry about a thing at all. No, we tell little Spencer that the Lord is beginning a new work in him. He is beginning to sanctify to sanctify him, and that may come with its challenges, but it comes with a blessing. And the blessing is this, that you are being made holy like the Lord himself is holy. Let no one think that in the midst of their sufferings there is no purpose. Let no one who has heard these words this morning think that God has forgotten them, that he has passed them by, that he has no time for them, that he doesn't know what he's doing. No, in your sufferings, In your sufferings, in your trials, in your challenges, the Lord is at work sanctifying you. St. Paul was quite clear in our epistle, wasn't he? Here is what your sanctification is, that you know how to please the Lord God. Just think of what it would be like to not know that, to not know how to please God. Most people in life try to just please themselves, and that's hard enough because our desires are constantly changing. And so while I might be happy for a week, I might be happy for a month, pretty quickly, if I'm trying to just please myself, it doesn't work. How much better is it to know how to please the Lord God? That the Lord who created you, that the Lord who is Lord over all things, that he has revealed to you how you are to walk, how you are to live. He has shown you what is good, O oh man, to walk humbly, to do mercy and justice. There are no secrets about what God desires. He makes it quite plain and quite clear. He gives us his commandments. He reveals them to us. He has written them on our hearts so that no one can say, well, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing in this world. God has told us what to do. He has shown us But even more than that, he has taken us by the hand and he has said, I will make you holy. See, if we try to please God apart from his power, if we try to go on our own and say, all right, I'm going to make God proud of me, we pretty quickly run into this problem. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. We don't have the power to do the things that God tells us we ought to do. Without his power, we would be like Jacob, wrestling against the Lord. There's this kind of wonderful paradox there, isn't there, that God allows Jacob to hold on. And the way I like to draw this out for you is just think what happens when God so much as touches his hip. Jacob's hip just falls apart, just with a touch. If God could do that to Jacob with just a touch, how is it that Jacob can hold on all through the night? I'll tell you how. It's because the Lord is wrestling with him like a father wrestling with his little son. You've all seen that, haven't you? Maybe you've done it with your own kids. Dads are notorious for this. They love to wrestle around with their kids. And sometimes, I don't know, one out of three times, dads even let their kids pin them to the ground, right? 
when they're feeling generous. Well, how generous is our Lord with Jacob and with you? That in your life, he wrestles with you, he deals roughly with you sometimes, but he allows you to hold on. He gives you his Holy Spirit so that you might hold on to him by faith through the dark night, through the trials, through the sufferings, and come to the blessings that he has prepared for those who love him. In that process of your suffering, through our trials and difficulties, as we hold on to the Lord, he is making us holy. And that means we are becoming like him. St. Paul talked about it in our epistle in the realm of sexual ethics, right? He talked about how we are to control ourselves, to not be subject to our own lusts and be pulled about by sexual desires. If you need examples of what that looks like, well, just look around you and see how the world is pulled all over the place in toxic kinds of life. This is not the way God has called us. This is not what he intends for his children. He does not want you to be pulled around by your desires, but to be in control of yourself. And so he makes you like him, holy. But that process of becoming a chip off the old block, so to speak, is not always easy. It's not always easy. It wasn't for Jacob, and it certainly wasn't in the gospel reading with that Canaanite woman. Look at what happens with her and just walk through that reading one more time and slow down and really consider what it would be like for that woman to come to Jesus, expecting all kinds of good things, to come to him like we did this morning and say, Lord, have mercy, Kyrie eleison, and to hear nothing. At least Jacob got to wrestle with God, but Jesus doesn't respond at all. You ever had that experience? to come to God with prayers, with fervent desires, to say to him, Lord, have mercy, help me, and to get no response. And then to make matters even worse, Jesus tells her he wants nothing to do with her. At least when there's no response, there's a hope. Maybe it's coming later. But Jesus says to her, I've come only for the lost sheep of Israel. What's he doing with her? He's doing the same thing he was doing with Jacob at the Jabbok River. He is wrestling with this woman, and it is the same thing that happens in your sufferings. The Christian life is not just a life of advancing from victory to victory, from power to power. It is a life that comes with challenges, with trials, with crosses that the Lord gives to you. But through those things, never forget this, through those things, the Lord is at work for your good like a father wrestling with his son. The Lord is at work for your good. And so look at what Jesus does for this Canaanite woman so that you can see what he is doing through your trials too. Maybe one way to get to the point of that is to consider what would have happened to her if Jesus didn't take her through that process. If he had simply responded the first time she asked, okay, go home, woman, your daughter is healed. She wouldn't have had the experience the crucible, the difficult challenge. And so the Lord's mercy and his goodness would not have been burned into her heart, into her mind in the same way. Do you see what I mean? See, it's one thing to get the answer right away. I remember this as a kid in math class, right? Remember all of the odd, was it the odd or the even problems were in the back of the book? When you get the answers right away, what happens? You don't have to go through the work. You don't have to actually do the 
problem. You don't have to show your work. You just know the answer is three. And you write it down on your paper, and you get an A, and you're happy about it. But you don't learn the lesson. By taking her through that challenge, by taking her through that trial, the Lord Jesus was teaching her, just as he teaches you in your sufferings, to rely and hold fast to his mercy. His mercy which may not come immediately. His mercy which may not come in just the way that we want it, right at the time that we want it, but his mercy that comes for sure. For Jesus gives her what she asks in the end. Jesus gives her mercy in the end, and he gives her even more than mercy. He gives her his praise. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you have believed. Here is what God is at work doing in your trials, in your challenges, whether they be the kind that you suffer in your own body or they be the kind of challenges that come to the soul. The Lord Jesus is at work to strengthen you, to burn in your memory, to burn in your soul the power of his love and of his mercy. That's what Jacob knew, and he had that limp the rest of his life as a reminder. That's what the Canaanite woman knew, and she had this memory and this commendation from Jesus as her reminder all through her life. And you, you have the very same hope. For the Lord Jesus does not leave you without a reminder of his love. The Lord Jesus does not leave you without a reminder of his mercy. Just like the people of Israel who refrained from eating the meat of that hip to remember how God blesses them in their trials, you have a meal to eat. You have a bread to eat and a a wine to drink to remind you again and again of God's surpassing love, of his surpassing mercy. For not only does God bring you through your sufferings, But he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to join you in your challenges, to come with you into your weakest moments, to take upon himself your sin and your death and your suffering, and to do away with it in the cross. And now in the holy sacrament, Jesus says to you again, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. See how I will be with you through every last challenge, through every last trial. See how my blessing, see how my blessing holds the day in the end. In your trials, you are not being forgotten. In your difficulties, you are not being passed by. But like Jacob, like the Canaanite woman, the Lord Jesus is at work to make you like him, to make you holy. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.